Hi, everyone. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Kristen Dovnik. Chris is a certified health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and trained chef. Her passion is to help women uncomplicate eating and stress less about food to bring joy back into eating again. She works with women worldwide to help them simplify nutrition and tune into their intuition to heal their relationship with food and their bodies and live happy, healthy, whole lives. She is the host of the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast, creator of several online courses, including uncomplicated eating and healthy mama meal prep. She lives on an island off the coast of New England with her sailor husband and her two sweet spunky sous chefs, Sage and Wren, where you can usually find them in the kitchen. Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing Podcast, we're two holistic-minded moms with a passion for real food and raising healthy, empowered children. We want to provide a safe and educational, judgment-free zone for supporting women as they journey into motherhood and discover the mom they were meant to be. I'm Marissa of Confidently Balanced. I'm a former speech-language pathologist turned nutritional therapy practitioner and have a passion for all things health, wellness, and mindset. I'm also a mama to a little guy with a big personality. And I'm Michelle. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner student. I have a degree in Thai massage and a master's in business analytics. I'm a mama to a little one and have another one on the way. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical concern. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Hi, Michelle. Good morning. I am so excited to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm so excited too. So Chris and I met at a Modern Mamas virtual retreat and we kind of just connected around all this healthy food for moms and families. And I just had to have you on the podcast. And Chris has a podcast uh, that we mentioned and I just love it. Like just everything she has to say about this space around intuitive eating for the moms, for the families. And I just, I'm really excited to chat with you today. Uh, me too. I know making connections with other moms who have similar values is so huge, especially for those of us who don't have that in our lives. And especially during this time where we're all a little bit separated from other people. Yeah, it is so huge. Yeah. Well, can you just talk to us about what intuitive eating is? Like, what does that mean to you? And what made you decide to pursue that in your education? Yeah, absolutely. So intuitive eating is a non-diet nutrition framework, and it was first created by two dietitians, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rash, 25 years ago now, which is so crazy. It's been around. It has stood the test of time. It's been featured in over 100 studies, um, you know, proving to be something that helps us to reconnect with our bodies it, and also increase health markers as well. So it's a set of 10 principles that are designed to reconnect you with your body's inner guidance and cues and really release this idea idea of needing to diet in order to live a healthy life in favor of this intuitive approach to food and ultimately achieving what intuitive eating calls authentic health, which is my favorite way to really share with clients, which is the combination of that sort of inner attunement where you're reconnecting with your body and what your body needs, and then also external health values. So what we know to be true about health, 
and what is true for us as individuals. So it's not a diet or an eating style, but it's really a framework for removing those rules and those restrictions that you might've had around food before and really truly learning what feels good in your body through that inner attunement and connection with your body but then also, it also includes nutrition, which I think is oftentimes a big misconception around intuitive eating, but it's in a gentle, non-dogmatic way. It's not rule-based or eat this, don't eat that, but it's what works for you. What do we know to be true about nutrition? Taking that, applying it, and just letting go of what doesn't work. So, and I like to describe what I how I describe intuition as well, because I think that's important because intuition can feel very nebulous and woo-woo. But I really just describe it as the place where what your mind wants and what your body needs intersect. So what does your mind want? What does your body need? And meeting in the middle and giving your body what you need in terms of that. And so I got into intuitive eating after a wild ride and a long journey um, of my own. So I struggled with an eating disorder in late high school um, and early college. And I was really thankful that my best friend kind of gave me a little bit of a wake-up call and told me that I needed to get help. And thankfully, I was in the right space to listen to her and go and, and get some help and I saw a dietitian and I kind of regained my, my weight, my body weight, because I had lost a ton of weight. I was in a really unhealthy space physically at the time. And I pretty quickly healed my body, but I hadn't ever healed my relationship with food. And that became an issue moving through, you know, the next decade or so really after that, I was on and off diets for a number of years. And I consider a diet anything that puts rules around food. So I also struggled with some pretty severe digestive and hormonal imbalances as well. And in navigating that, I was also on this healing protocol and that healing protocol. And I was kind of in this really dichotomous relationship with food. So I went to school for nutrition. I went to university for nutrition. And then I ended up going to culinary school where I learned how to cook and I was working as a natural foods personal chef. So I was in this space of loving food and having a lot of knowledge about nutrition, but thinking that I needed to eat a certain way to look a certain way or to be this certain level of health. And so I struggled with that for a number of years. And it all really came to a head after I gave birth to my first daughter. I had a really, really difficult pregnancy with my first daughter. She's uh, six and a half now. And I, you know, had spent years and years in the health and nutrition world thinking I would have this really easy, healthy pregnancy. And I ended up having all of these health complications that just kept popping up one on top of the other. And I had this vision for this beautiful, natural home birth and all of these things that did not happen. I ended up being in a hospital, fully medicated and had a really, really traumatic birth experience. And thankfully it turned out well. And my daughter was really teeny tiny, but for all intents and purposes, she was healthy. But I sort of felt like my body had betrayed me after that. And I was doing what I thought was right in terms of trying to live my healthiest life, which really looked like trying to restrict myself in many ways when it came to food. And what that resulted in was me being in a space of not being as healthy as I really could have been. And so I did what most moms, most first moms, I think, think that they need to do after baby. And I decided to go on a plan to lose the baby weight. And that spiraled me into a two-year journey of being really deep into the fitness world. So I had gotten my health coaching certification. So at this time, I was working as a personal trainer and I was doing health coaching. And I was teaching women the same things that I was learning, that if you just count and track and measure everything you eat, and if you just work out for hours a day, you're just going to be super healthy and super fit, right? 
But what it did, and you know, it did, I achieved that. I was in the quote unquote best shape of my life. Like when you looked at me, you would have thought that I was the picture of health. And I ended up competing in a fitness competition. I did all of these things, all of the right things you're supposed to do to be that fit mom, right? And I was the least healthy that I had ever been. I was just talking to you before we got on about spending, you know, hours a day tracking and measuring my food and my my calories and macros and my workouts. And I wasn't present for my daughter. I wasn't taking care of her in the way that she deserved. I wasn't being a good example for her. And what ended up happening was after I did this fitness competition, I had this crazy health crash about three or four weeks after this fitness competition. I did this competition. I placed second. I looked like I was in the best shape of my life. And I woke up one morning a few weeks later and I could barely even lift a weight. And I started freaking out. I had no idea what was going on with my body. I, you know, having a background in holistic nutrition, and I had an idea that what I was going through was some sort of maybe an adrenal crash. Something was going on where my body was just shutting down essentially. And my husband told me not to worry, but that we would get me to a couple doctors. And it took a few different doctors and naturopaths to really just diagnose me with chronic fatigue. My body was fighting back. My body was telling me that enough was enough, that enough years of being on and off of these plans and trying, striving to be my healthiest self had made me the least healthy that I had ever been. And I remember there being this one moment, it was actually Easter morning, and it was right before my fitness competition. And we had my parents over for brunch, and I made this whole big spread. Because remember, I love food and I love cooking. And so I made this whole big spread for everyone in the family. And I sat there like nibbling on a few bites of fruit. And I remember my daughter, who was two at the time, looking at me and saying, Mommy, why aren't you eating what we're eating? And I had no idea what to tell her. Because I couldn't tell her that I was trying to be healthy because then that would tell her that what she was eating wasn't healthy. I didn't want to tell her that I was trying to look a certain way because that would make her think that when she grew up, she would need to look a certain way. And that was really an important moment for me. You know, my competition was a few weeks later and I had no way of knowing that my health was going to crash after that. But those two moments sort of combined made me take a really big step back from what I was doing, from how I was coaching women, from what I was doing in my own life. And I started exploring intuitive eating. And intuitive eating, I mean, it is not dramatic to say that intuitive eating completely changed my life. It changed the way that I look at food. It changed the way that I approach food and nutrition with my clients. And that's what I do today is I help women break free from the same cycle of being on and off of diets or have this idea in their mind that they need to have all these rules around food or restrictions in order to live a healthy life, that it really comes down to knowing your body and knowing what works for you and knowing what feels good and being able to recognize that and honor your body and then pass that on to your kids. Oh my gosh, there's, I'm like jotting down notes of things I want to talk about more because that was amazing. Um, Yeah, just like, I guess, how does this, how did this whole thing change how you think about your body? So I think like you said, there's this dichotomy between I wouldn't want my daughter to hate my body, but it's okay that I hate mine or mine, you know? Um, So how have you been able to shift that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, honestly, I think the biggest shift that I've needed to make is realizing that my body is not my enemy. 
that my body is on my side and I am on my body's side, right? That my body is my ally in living my healthiest, happiest life. It's not something that I need to be constantly fighting against. The less I fought against my body and the more I started thinking of her as being on my side, the more sort of fluid and easy living this healthy life was, right? Living this life in alignment with the things that I value and the way that I want to feel became a lot easier when I stopped just trying to change my body, but really treating my body with love. So eating the foods that feel good. And it's not a struggle anymore because it's not like, oh, what I eat is just going to be something to change my body either in the positive or the negative, whatever way I was feeling that day, I'm eating the way I eat out of a place of love for my body. And this does not mean that I love every part of my body all the time, but what I've learned to do and what I do now is I choose to accept her and treat her the way that she deserves because I know that she'll treat me well back, that I will show up as the best version of myself if I am treating my body with love. And honestly, I would rather enjoy my food and enjoy feeling good than trying to and striving for society's view of the perfect body, which I did for so many years. Because looking back and looking at how you know, I really wasn't present in my life and I wasn't living the life that I wanted to live, but I had the body that I wanted. It just, it isn't worth it for me anymore. So I think taking that step back and looking at what has this brought me? If it is, you know, I'm fighting with my body constantly. What is that bringing to my life? Is it bringing something positive to my life or is it taking away from my life? And how can you accept your here, your here and now body and treat your body with love, even if you don't love every part of her? Because we're humans and it's really easy to say, oh, I love my body. And there, are, I do love my body. My body has done so much for me. My body has birthed two children. My body has run a marathon. My body's done some really incredible things. But, you know, there's always going to be parts that I'm like, eh be nice if that didn't, if that wasn't like that, because I'm a human and it's okay if you feel like that too, but you can still accept your body and treat your body well in the here and now. I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I love that. Cause it's, um, yeah, rather than fighting against your body, you're working with it. And I think there, there's this misconception sometimes around intuitive eating, like some of the body positive messaging is it's okay to feed your body crap. <laughs> like it, it, people think of intuitive eating, like giving into all the sugar cravings and, mm-hmm. but that's not what you're talking about. And there are these, these hyper palatable foods that it's easy to sit down and eat an entire bag of potato chips. And that's mm-hmm. not, that's not eating intuitively from what you're saying. I, I'm assuming, but I would like you to go into that a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I think my favorite thing that I do in in everything that I do is really debunking some of these myths that it, it does mean just sitting down and eating an entire bag of potato chips because a really important part of intuitive eating is mindfulness and that connection with your body. And if you are eating in a way that's mindfully and connected with your body, does sitting down and eating an entire bag of potato chips, does that actually feel good? For your body, like let's be real. If it's not feeling good for your body, then that's not eating intuitively. That's not tuning into your body. That's checking out from your body. So intuitive eating doesn't tell you that you can't eat potato chips or that potato chips are bad. For me, potato chips actually aren't a great food because I'm sensitive to potatoes, like in a pretty severe way. I almost pass out when I eat potatoes. <laughs> 
a really strange food sensitivity. Love sweet potatoes. But that's the only reason I don't eat very many potato chips. It's because my body tells me this does not work for me, not because I think of them as a bad food. But if potato chips work for you, how does it feel to sit down and really mindfully enjoy a handful or a couple handfuls of those if if you're craving them and you want them, I would argue the better choice is to simply eat them and enjoy every single bite of them and ask yourself, would it feel good to eat more than this? And if it would, okay, maybe have a little bit more. But it's about bringing that mindfulness into it, taking away the rules where I shouldn't eat the potato chips because they're bad, because then we just want it more. I love using the example of kids, right? Because most of us have kids. And if you tell a child that they can't have something, they're just going to want it more or that they can only have a little bit of it. I know that my children will just keep bugging me for more (laughs) until I tell them yes. And so it's really, it's instead of telling ourselves, no, 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 this food is bad. It is going, this food is okay. This food is neutral because food is just food. But how would it feel in my body? And how much would feel in my body? How much would feel good in my body? And filling our plates and our cupboards and our fridges with the foods that feel good instead of just checking out and just eating the whole bag of potato chips. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is getting really deep because it's hard to probably think through that in the moment Mm -hmm. while you're like, what is driving this desire? Um, Cause I try to think about like, if I'm craving something, it's like, well, what does my body really need? I didn't sleep well. That's why I'm craving sugar. And maybe I'd be served better with some starch with fat and that'll, that'll serve this. But even that is kind of putting this judgment on my body in a way. But I like that idea of really tuning in rather than tuning out. Um, Because I think that's where it does, it can get mindless. Like you just sit there Mm -hmm. and you're shoving things in your face and that's not intuitive eating. That's not paying attention to your body. And um, I'm going to zone out for a little bit. (laughs) Yes. And yeah, and sometimes we do, we know our bodies well enough to know that, okay, I'm craving sugar all day long because I didn't get enough sleep. And it's, well, what does this tell me? It tells me that if I can, because some of us, you know, we're in newborn phases, not me, but you know, (laughs) if you're in the newborn phase, if you are in phases of your life where you can't get that much sleep, well, then you do what you can. You serve your body the best way you can in that. Um, But you know, what does this tell me? If you do know that it's telling you that you probably haven't gotten enough sleep, well, that, that's an intention that you can make in the future. So it's like, okay, I, I'm learning from this. I'm learning from this craving. I'm moving forward, doing something positive for my body in the future. And then it's also, okay, what can I do for my body now? For some people, maybe serving your body with a little bit more fat, a little bit more nutrients in that way, because cravings can be a sign of nutrient deficiency as well. Um, and, and sometimes we just really want something. So it's really kind of discerning. If we know our bodies well enough to know that, yeah, my body just needs some really a source of really good nutrition right now, then that's a good, that's a good thing to, um, to approach it in that way as well. But sometimes it also is recognizing sometimes we just crave that thing and it's okay. <laughs> but it also, it sounds like it might be okay today. I didn't get enough sleep. I let it go too long. And now I just, I need to have the brownie and I'm okay with that. And then tomorrow I add more carbohydrate to my breakfast. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. well, actually I do I'm recognizing my body's need. I'm going to give it to my body earlier. And then maybe tomorrow I don't crave that brownie because I'm paying attention to the cues. 
Yes. Um, yeah, exactly. It's recognizing those patterns. It's it's really listening to our bodies and then also responding, which I think sometimes women will go, well, I hear my body. I just, I don't, I don't do what it says. And that's really the key, right? It's listening and then it's responding and, and experimenting because sometimes it'll work and sometimes it won't and that's okay. And it's learning, it's learning about our bodies. But I'm guessing, so this probably involves a lot of unlearning for most of the people you work mm-hmm. with, I'm going to guess, because we grew up, all of us, and we're still in a very diet-centered culture, but I remember my mom did Jenny Craig on and off growing up. Mm-hmm. And it was like, she would be on her plan and then go and get all the food. And it's these like ridiculous shakes and like garbage. And she'd be on it for a few weeks and then fall off her plan. And then it's like, oh, I didn't do what I thought I was going to do. Now I'm bad. And now I'm going to start again on Monday and I'm going to be a better version of myself. And it's all wrapped up in how we're eating. And as kids, you really um, pick that up. And I just, this is still, it really bothers me now. But I remember my mom in high school, she would say to me, if you just lost five pounds, you'd be perfect. And I, at the time I thought, oh, well, she's just being honest. We're okay with being honest. And now I think back and I'm like, what, what were you thinking saying that to a high school girl? Like you're, you have enough self-esteem issues. And that's just all to say, we live in this world now where we think it's okay to say these things. And you're, you're raising your kids to think that way about their body. I don't know. I, I just... How do you go through that unlearning of a diet culture? Because just even hearing you talk, I'm like, oh, I still think I have a few things to to roll back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of it really is an unpacking of, okay, what are the rules and restrictions we've put around food, around ourselves? What is this idea that we have in our head of what healthy looks like or the way that we feel like we need to be to be healthy or to be loved or to be worthy and really asking ourselves those hard questions. First and foremost, asking ourselves, what what are these roles that I've put around food? Why do I think this way? Where did it come from? And asking ourselves that honestly and really digging deep into, was it something someone said about me? Was it, you know, and for me, really my dieting and my eating disorder started because I... I think I had some self-esteem issues as just an early teenager and somebody that I respected made a comment about my body and told me that I looked like I had lost weight. And I took that as being, I am good and I am worthy and somebody sees me and that spiraled. And I know that's not everyone's story or it's not that extreme, right? I went to the extreme, but I think we all have that sort of story. So where did we learn these things? Where did they come from? And is that actually true? Because so many of the things that we hear or we think we know are just something that we heard and something that might not be true. And then moving forward and saying, okay, if this is true, is this true for me? And is it true for the life that I want to live? 
Because if we believe something that, you know, we've, that somebody has told us for so many years, or even something that we heard on the internet, we can tell ourselves it's true, but then asking ourselves, is this actually true for me? Is this actually going to add to my life or is it taking away from my life? Something like stacking rules, which I see so many women do where, you know, they, they try to live up to this one rule. And then when they don't live up to it, there's that guilt and that shame that ensues. So they just add more rules on top of that to make themselves feel better. And so taking those down, you know, one peg at a time and asking yourself, what are they? And if they're true, because we live in a society where it is so common, we see ads everywhere telling us that if we just lose those last few pounds, last quote unquote, right? Because what is last? What is those last few pounds? We all, we're meant to be different shapes and sizes. If we all moved the same way and ate the same way, we would still all look differently and we would still all feel differently eating that way and moving that way because our bodies are so uniquely different. So I think asking, is this true? Is this true for me? And then exploring what is it that actually feels good for me outside of what diet culture has told me or what I learned growing up. And it is, it's a process. It's not something that happens overnight. It really is an unlearning and an unpacking, but it is possible. I know from, you know, over a decade of dealing with this myself and having clients who are in their forties and their fifties who have gone through this for so many years, who've seen their mothers go on these diet plans and programs, and they have this idea in their head that this is the way they really do have to start slowly pulling away those ideas in order to allow those, those new mindsets to come into play. Oh my gosh. So we're really getting into psychology here. It's not just food. It's yeah. It's really growing and learning about yourself. Oh my gosh. I, I am super into this and I hadn't even heard of really, like I've heard of intuitive eating, but I didn't know about the programs like you do. And this is so interesting to me now. I need to look into it more. Um, So I was just curious, like what does, like if you look at your plate, would you be able to tell like this is somebody who's eating intuitively? And I know everybody's going to be different, but I just trying to look at the practical side of it, how might your plate look differently than when you were not eating intuitively? Mm. Oh, what a good question. I don't think you can tell someone's an intuitive eater by looking at their plate other than the fact that their plate probably looks pretty different every meal or every day. I mean, I there's a lo- I eat a lot of similar things in my day-to-day life. I post about my smoothie bowls on Instagram all the time because I love them. They're my favorite thing to have for breakfast in the summertime. And when I wake up one morning and I don't want a smoothie bowl, I just don't have it. And I have something else. But I know the foods that serve me and serve my body well. And that's based on what I've learned about my body and about nutrition and what feels good for me. And And that is how I make choices when it comes to food. We stock our fridge and our freezer and our pantry with the foods that make us feel good. And when I go out to eat at a restaurant, I don't make choices. And when we can go out to eat at restaurants, I don't make choices based on, okay, this is going to be the healthy option. I make choices based on what would be satisfying to me right now, knowing the foods that feel good in my body 
what is going to feel good for me and what is going to be satisfying to me? Because I know that the satisfying choice is the choice that is going to make me feel the best when I sit there and eat it mindfully. I'm not going to overeat because or finish my plate because I think, well, this is the healthy option and I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to eat again. That was something that I, I you know, struggled with for a long time, especially when I was counting and tracking things. It was like, well, I don't know when I'm going to be able to kind of have enough macros today, when I'm, when I'm going to have be able to have my snack because I would time things. And I know so many women have had similar experiences where they're like, I've just got to finish what's on my plate because I don't know what I'm going to eat next. I don't have that fear anymore. So it could be completely different. One day when I go out to the restaurant, I might order the salad. And one day I might order the burger with the bun. And one day I might order it without the bun and have sweet potato fries instead. It really does look different. So I have those patterns when it comes to those and really the routines around what feels good for me. Um, we do a lot of food prep in our house because my husband and I both work for ourselves. We live busy lives. There are no secrets in our house about getting dinner on the table. We do what we have to do <laughs> to be able to eat um, food that makes us feel good. So it's Instead of being calculated, I think it's a more it's a more mindful choice when it comes to the foods that I eat. So I don't think you can necessarily tell by looking at someone's plate. I think it's more how they approach food more than anything. So you know, I do. I balance my plate and make sure. You know, and when I say I balance my plate, I make sure I have a variety of food groups on my plate because I know that feels better and that keeps my blood sugar balanced and that I am really moody and out of focus and my energy is up and down when I don't do that. And that comes from both my knowledge of nutrition and and my intuition. But other than that, I think it really it really comes from the mindset side of things more than just looking at someone's plate. Yeah, this is really interesting too because I'm thinking obviously I'm recently postpartum. I have a 3-month-old, but going through pregnancy and postpartum, now I'm thinking, oh, it would be so great to do this work before you go into those periods because your needs change and to have that ability to listen to your body. Um, I'm still working on it, but it's definitely something where I just know I needed more starch when I, Mm -hmm. like when my milk came in and I was, you know, eating more often and I, I was at a place where I knew that was okay. And I think more so with this pregnancy than with my first, um, I was still, along this journey with my first pregnancy, but it was, it was very different. And this, I knew like right after having the baby, I needed soups and I knew I needed starches. And Mm. I think just doing, yeah, I think it's just paying attention, like paying attention to what you're putting in your mouth. And like you said, how does it make you feel? Because I think it would be tough to identify that. Obviously, if you didn't know what you were eating, (laughs) like, Um, I guess, do you have, do you look at things like that? Like, um, I know you are trying to avoid like fitting macros and things like that, but I know personally that I feel better with a higher fat diet, but Mm -hmm. during pregnancy and postpartum, that's very much changed. And I was able to listen to that, but I am, I am consciously thinking, oh, I see what I'm craving and that starch. And then I'm thinking of different ways to get starch. Like, is that even, (laughs) is that eating intuitively or am I thinking about it too much? 
No, I mean, I think there's a point where you can be thinking about it too much um, for sure. But I go over what a balance plate looks like with my clients as well. And then we adjust it for them. I don't think that there is one quote unquote balance plate. There is no one size fits all. And I think we all inherently know that and we don't want to admit it. We want somebody to tell us that this is the right way, but what's true and what's true for us in one season might be different than what's true for us in another season as well. And so, you know, I love posting meals and things like that on Instagram and on my blog and things like that. But I always add a disclaimer that this is what felt good for my body this week because our bodies, our needs change day to day, week to week. As women, we have a 28-day cycle. We're not like men who have a 24-hour cycle. So our needs change throughout the month, depending on where we're at in our female cycle, um, just in terms of how much we need. So we might, our hunger levels might vary day to day, which is one of those reasons why giving someone specific amounts to eat can just set them up for failure, really. And we know what they would consider failure. I wouldn't consider it failure. I would consider it the diet is failing. (laughs) But, you know, I think that it is that, that knowing what works for your body and then really giving yourself the grace and respecting your body enough to go, okay, this isn't feeling good right now. So what do I need in this season? Just like you're doing, you know, adding in a little bit more starch, it feels good. So I do think that there's something to be said for for knowing what it looks like to make sure that your blood sugar is balanced and that you are fueled throughout the day, that you're eating enough so that you actually have the energy to go through your day. And it's okay if you're knowing that, okay, where you've learned that this is what feels good in my body, it's also okay if you need to make some of those changes in the future. Um, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, I love that. Well, and just to kind of round out this diet section of our talk, um, it sounds like, and I've heard this before, like from other, other people who are more around dieting, like the best way to lose weight or lose fat is to get yourself really, really healthy. And most people don't want to spend that much time on it. Like it might take a year to heal your blood sugar regulation or, you know, do this, this work. Um, so it sounds like you're taking the focus away from losing weight, but people still might lose weight. Is that fair to say? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely fair to say. And, you know, really, there's a few things that happen when you explore intuitive eating, when you really commit to not being on a diet anymore, um, but really, truly listening to your body. And so the first thing that could happen is if you have been dieting for years, like I was, and you're severely underweight, then you might gain weight. (laughs) Or maybe not even severely. If you're underweight, then you might gain weight. That is something that could happen. And that is most women's, to be perfectly honest, the women that come and work with me, their biggest fear is that if I eat intuitively, I will gain weight. And you know what else happens? What I see quite a bit, and I think is not talked about a lot, is there's often a permission stage that happens when you are releasing the rules and the, you know, specific formulas and macros and things like that from your, I guess, from your life, 
sometimes women will gain a few pounds because they're in this permission stage where they are just, they need to let, get it out of their system that they are allowed to eat all types of food. That food doesn't change anything about them, that if they eat the brownie, they're not going to die. They're going to be fine. They're not going to gain a million pounds when they eat the brownie. And it does, it takes a little while to adjust to, okay, I'm eating in a way that feels good for my body. So what actually does feel good for my body? So sometimes there is that permission stage where we eat all of the things and we gain a few pounds. This is one of the reasons why I encourage women to stay away from the scale, especially in these early stages, because it's not serving you. It doesn't tell you anything about you or about your health because our weight is meant to fluctuate throughout different seasons in our lives. It's not our weight that tells us that we are living our healthiest lives. It's how we feel. It's our blood markers. It's, you know, it's how our energy is throughout the day, how our moods are throughout the day. Um, There's so many other symptoms we could talk about or it's not symptoms, but signals that we are, we are living in a state of health versus unhealth. And really most of us turn to our weight and we go, oh, well, I've gained a few pounds, so I must be unhealthy. Well, it just might be a signal that something else is going on, that something's out of alignment. It doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're unhealthy. So sometimes women do gain weight if they're underweight. Sometimes women gain some weight and then they even out. They gain a few pounds and then their body evens out when it's right for them. Because when we are living in alignment with what our body needs and what our body wants, then our body isn't fighting with us anymore. Like I talked about before, our body isn't fighting to, you know, gain weight because we're starving it. Our body isn't fighting to, you know... I guess our body typically doesn't fight to lose weight, but you know, oftentimes we end up going up and down and up and down because we are striving and we are trying to starve our bodies and our bodies are fighting back going, this is, doesn't feel right. I don't have enough food. I don't have enough fuel. So there is oftentimes that time where maybe we begin a few pounds and then our bodies even out. And then for women who have been in a cycle, especially for women who have been in a cycle of maybe turning to food for emotional purposes, for comfort, um, or consistently overeating, eating mindlessly, they will also lose weight as well. So I cannot tell you what will happen to whoever's body when they start eating intuitively um, or when they you know, reach the point of becoming a normal eater outside of dieting. It's different for everyone. And I was definitely in the camp of, you know, and I was up and down and up and down for years. And in the early stages, I gained a few pounds because I had been starving myself for a number of years, really, truly. And it's hard to say, and it's hard for people to hear when I tell them that I was on a really strict bodybuilding plan and I was essentially starving my body. So my body did gain a few pounds. And I knew that I wasn't weighing myself, but I knew that because my clothes were tight and I needed to get new clothes. And then my body evened out again, somewhere in between, right? Because this is the way that my body feels good. I'm listening to my body and I don't fight with my body anymore. I'm not constantly buying new sizes of clothes. And I think a lot of women that I work with, I know that a lot of women I work with have the same experience, but it can be scary going, oh, I want to lose weight or I feel like I should lose weight. And so instead of focusing on the weight, we focus on, okay, this is what could happen. We know this, but let's focus on how you actually want to feel and how you want to live in your life and how the foods that you're going to eat are going to help you feel the way you want to feel and live the way you want to live, your body weight will, it'll even out. That's amazing. So it's, it's like, we kind of have to let go of this idea too. If we really want to be intuitive, let go of this idea that we're supposed to look a certain way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, because that the uh, cycling, like the lose gain cycles, it, maybe for a couple weeks, you got down to this point where you su- you think you're supposed to be, and then you couldn't handle that 
restriction anymore and bounce back up. Like, what is, how is that good that you got there for two weeks and <laughs> it, it wasn't yeah. right for your body and you hated, you hate, like people are unhappy doing that. Um, but yeah, so I do want to jump into the kids piece a little bit, just this. So we've talked about emotions a lot on this podcast, like the aware parenting where you, mm. You, you know, we were brought up a certain way around emotions too, like the you're fine. And so we have to, as parents, if we want to raise our children to feel their emotions, it's like all this healing we have to do. And this is really clicking talking to you today that we have to do this around food too, if we want our kids to not have issues around food, especially like you said, with your daughter and I have a daughter now and... I don't want to put that on her. I don't want her to hate food or feel like she needs to eat a certain way to look a certain way, but they pick up more on our unresolved issues, I think, than, than we think. Um, so yeah, let's jump into that. Like, How do you handle restriction at a family table or you know, events or things like that? Like, How do you handle restriction with your kids? Mm, yeah. Well, I know we we talked about this for a couple minutes before we we got on air and I think this question it pertains so directly to kind of my life and my experience and and our family as well because though I have gone through this really deep dive into intuitive eating and reducing all of these restrictions on myself and rules around food um I'd like to say that we have zero restrictions around food in our house, but that wouldn't be true because my husband and my oldest daughter have an immune sensitivity to corn. So it affects them neurobehaviorally. Um, so it starts with a neurological response that happens about 12 hours or so, 12 to 18 hours later. Um, so my mother-in-law recognized this in my husband when he was, I want to say about like two. And this was in the 80s where food allergies and food sensitivities were so new and we didn't know a lot about them. And she was just that mom who knew that there was something that was not right about her kid, that all of a sudden a flip would switch and he couldn't concentrate and he would go crazy. And she's like, he's this sweet, great kid one moment. And then the next he's not. And this is not just him being two. This is, this is something that's going on. And we recognized a similar, um, experience, a similar experience with our daughter when she was about one. And my mother-in-law was like, oh yeah, that's what happened. That's what would happen to her daddy. And we're like, oh, okay. This is right around the time she was eating solids. And she had had one of those, you know, just those like organic kids packs with, you know, on the go somewhere with corn in it. And she had this crazy reaction and so my mother-in-law back in the 80s worked with a doctor to figure this out and to take this out of my, my husband's diet, but they didn't have as many options as they do now. So my husband grew up, unfortunately, being that kid who his friends and his sister and everyone around him was eating candy and all of these foods with cereals and things like that with corn ingredients. And he was there eating like broccoli and carrot sticks. I'm not even kidding. So he didn't have the type of experience. He, was, he felt very restricted around food as a kid. And I actually had him on my podcast and we had a conversation about what it was like for him kind of finding his way to intuitive eating as well. Um, including learning what feels good in his body. So learning what feels good in our body and not having restrictions around food, but also having a restriction around food is a conversation that we have a lot in our house and in our family. And we're still navigating it um, because 
my husband has learned himself what feels good for his body. And he has to be that example for my daughter when it comes to corn specifically, because I don't have that same experience. My body is fine with corn. Um, and she looks to both of us and both of our daughters look to us as the example for what it looks like to have a healthy relationship with food. So I'm thankful for him of, you know, going through his own journey and having a healthy relationship with it now in that we have a conversation with her about it. She doesn't have the same experience that he had um, around feeling very restricted around food. And that way we give her options when it comes to foods that the other kids are eating that might be corn free. And in our home, we just don't keep it around. And we make sure that she doesn't feel like she's different than other kids. Thankfully, it's not an anaphylactic reaction. So it's not something like if we had peanuts in the house or something like that, she would she would have that anaphylactic reaction. But she does have a pretty severe reaction to it. And she notices it digestively after as well. And she's six and a half now. So she we it's a conversation that we have with her. We have this conversation around okay, when we are at a birthday party, if you want to choose to eat this food, we're going to let you. We're going to, you're old enough to make this choice around food, but you know how it's going to feel in your body. Do you want to make that choice? And my husband usually has a conversation with her. And so I'm, I'm really almost grateful about this experience um, because it teaches her how to tune into her body and how to recognize how her body feels. And it's almost a gift that I think not every kid has. Um, and as parents, I do think that it is, it's up to us to model for them what a healthy relationship with food looks like, whether or not we have restrictions around food in terms of allergies or sensitivities, or it's been a long history of dieting and putting our own rules and restrictions around food doing the unlearning and taking the time to unpack those and find what feels good for us and and modeling that to them, I think. So we talk a lot in our family um, about the three roles that food plays. And I talk about this with my clients and in all of my courses as well, that food is fuel for our bodies. It's also nourishment for our bodies. And it's also pleasure and joy. It is a source of connection and that we can have all of these things. So when we talk about food, we talk about food typically, I mean, I, we don't go too much into the nourishment piece around food um, because we just serve our family a lot of nutrient dense foods and our kids know that and they know that veggies are good for you and, and things like that. And we, we encourage them to try new things and to eat new things and get them in the kitchen with us. But we typically talk about it as, okay, these are fuel foods. These are the foods that fuel our bodies. These are the foods that make us feel good. And then these are fun foods. These are foods that are just for fun. We really enjoy them and we eat them because they're fun and we like them and we go out for ice cream and we do those fun things as a family without restriction, without rules and without talking about how like, oh, this is something that we only have on Friday nights at 6 p.m. <laughs> but it's something that we have because we love it because it's fun. But most of the time we focus on the things that make us feel good. And I think that's how we kind of approach it. And, and on both sides of things, with our child actually having a little bit of a restriction around food with her sensitivity and my husband as well. And then along the side of, you know, just being a model and being an example for, for our kids in that way. So good. Yeah, it's there's a lot of unlearning around that too. It just kind of reminded me where I try to not put that energy around food, like the eat your mm -hmm. chicken and then you can have a a dessert or whatever it is. And, but my husband really does that by default. I mean, I think we all do, but I've really, I'm trying to not do that. Like they can, he can make his choices. I mean, my kid's not even three yet. So I think it's a little different, but 
um, yeah, sometimes he can just have the ice cream first and then eat the chicken if he wants the chicken. And he does, if he wants it, it's Mm -hmm. not like, it's not like he only eats the chicken to get the ice cream. Like he likes chicken. (laughs) Um, but I, I do catch my husband doing that just, I think it's this deeply ingrained default from how we were raised. Like you have Mm -hmm. to clean your plate. You have to, you have to, you know, finish this to get that. And it's food as a reward, or you can have a treat if you go potty or whatever it is. And it's, it's very hard to unlearn these things, (laughs) but I'm really glad we're having this conversation because that's, I think that's the first step is being aware that you're doing it and then what is this serving and what what are the long-term effects effects of thinking about food in this way like like junk food is a reward in some way because I think Mm -hmm. that gets really ingrained (laughs) yeah yeah versus like thinking about it as pleasure because that's what I don't know I just like the the more the more I bring in healthful foods and enjoy cooking, it's, it is this like pleasure experience. And I think other people would look at how we eat and think of it as restrictive, but it doesn't feel that way for me because I love, mm. I love what we're eating. We eat lots of veggies, but I put fats and spices on them. And it's like, no, we're not, we're not like hating ourselves and making ourselves eat a salad. Like <laughs> we're finding things yeah. that we like. My my son loves sardines and liver and seaweed and you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't have to eat the stuff he doesn't like. So yeah. um I, I just love this conversation and I wanna keep having it as much as anyone wants to have it. Um so yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so with you in making it, making it an enjoyable and a pleasurable experience to eat the foods that we like to eat too. Cause I know I, you know, being somebody who is in the intuitive eating world, I would be lying if I didn't say that I get comments on, you know, places like social media, I won't say specifically where, but on social media, you know, saying like, well, you know, you, you eat a lot of this type of food or you eat a lot, a lot of that type of food is, not does that they don't ask specifically like does that mean you're an intuitive eater but it's like should I eat this type of food too and I'm like does that does it feel good for you does it feel good in your body or I could never eat like you and I'm like you can eat like me if that feels good for you and that feels good in your body because yeah I think to somebody who is not used to eating a lot meals that are packed with lots of real whole foods and that's just not the way that they were raised or the way that they know or something that they might be striving towards but they're not exactly sure how to approach it it can be new and it can be foreign and for us it is it's just the way that we eat and the way that feels good and it's taken me a long time to get here and like we've been talking about I don't feel 100 I, I don't feel restricted. I feel 0% restricted around the foods that I eat because I don't have restrictions. You know, sometimes I eat, you know, white pasta and I'm totally fine with that. My gut doesn't love it all the time because I have IBS. And so I just choose not to eat it most of the time, but I eat it and I don't fear it anymore. It is delicious. But for the most part, 
we also eat a ton of veggies. Most of our meals are based in veggies. We choose really high quality meat products because that feels good for us. Also, grass-fed beef is not fed corn. So that's also good for my husband and my daughter. And so we have reasons around the foods that we choose as well. But it all comes from this place of nourishing ourselves, but also really enjoying everything that we eat. I would never, just like you're saying, I wouldn't force my kids to eat something that they didn't like. We, we talk a lot about the... Um, the division of responsibility. Ellen Satter is a dietitian and a researcher, and she wrote a book called Secrets for Feeding the Healthy Family. Um, I think that's the name of the book. I always kind of butcher it a little bit, but it's so fabulous. And they talk about the parent provides the food and then the child decides. So the parent provides the food. So we provide these delicious nutrient-dense foods for the kids, what we find delicious and nutrient-dense. And then the kids get to choose if they also think that food is delicious. And we just, we give them the foods that they love and they eat it in abundance. Yesterday, my two-year-old, who is... um certainly the more selective eater. My six-year-old is very adventurous. She loves salmon. They both love seaweed. Um, they've been, they're used to it. My husband's half Japanese. So we have some unique foods that we'll have around our house, which is well unique for some families that they love, which I love. I'm like all of the minerals. So good. But she loves all of these. She's always been a more of an adventurous eater. My two-year-old, not so much. She, um, we joke that she ha she's on the cracker diet. And we joke like as parents, we don't tell her that. We don't tell her that she's on any sort of diet. But she'll like have her pre-breakfast crackers if we let her. She'll have her post-breakfast crackers. She'll have her lunch crackers, her snack crackers, her pre-bed crackers. They're simple meals crackers, but she really likes crackers. But the other day, yesterday, we, um, I had done some food prep. And I had all these foods. And so we did kind of a mix and match dinner. And the child ate probably three quarters of a can of black beans, just plain black beans, nothing on them. She just, that's what she wanted. And that's what she ate. And she ate pretty much nothing else. And that's all she wanted. And we're like, well, it is what it is. She got what she needed. She got what her body needed. She thought that was delicious. For me, a dinner of just plain black beans not my thing, but that's what she wanted. And we just kind of let her go with it. And so we try to let our kids do the same. And in that we, we kind of eat the foods that we love and we try to introduce them to those foods as well. And then we kind of let them, them make their choices from there. So good. Yeah. And there probably is like more to it as well. Like if your digestion wasn't great, you're probably like something that's healthy for somebody else might not be healthy for you and tuning into that intuition. Like I have, you know, people, like I said, if, if your digestion is poor, protein might not feel that good mm -hmm. a couple hours after you eat, even though it's a healthy food or people that have sensitivity to, to like citrus or like, you know, acidic things. And I, I think that's just beautiful because it allows you this space to I just tune in. Like I love, I just love how you put it, like tuning in rather than tuning out from like my perspective is more of a nutritionist, like looking at what the food is, what it does in your body, that side of it more than the intuitive eating side. But I'm like, so interested in merging them now, but mm -hmm. is there like blood sugar balance healing that needs to take place before you can be intuitive in some ways. Cause I, I think that's just something that I deal with a lot on the nutritionist side with clients is like, um, their, their blood sugar control is poor. So it, I don't know. I was just hoping you could, you could reconcile that for me. 
Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things that, you know, there's a couple of things I could say about this. I can share my own personal experience because I have a pretty good personal experience when it comes to this. So I have PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome and blood sugar imbalance is one of those markers. And it's been one of those for me. And I ended up having um, gestational diabetes with my first pregnancy. And that was really what tipped me off to blood sugar imbalance. Other than knowing that my family has a widespread blood sugar imbalance, type 2 diabetes all over the place. I I knew that this was a potential for me, Um, but I had gestational diabetes and I I really didn't know that my blood sugar was imbalanced other than I had the typical spikes and drops of my energy and super tired around 3 p.m., lots of sugar cravings, things like that. Um, and so, you know, learning more about my body and what it looked like to, to balance my plate in a way that felt good for me helped me to sort of balance my blood sugar for my second pregnancy. And I didn't end up having gestational diabetes with my second pregnancy. But bringing that into and in, into the light of intuitive eating can be difficult. It can be difficult to go, okay, like I know that blood sugar balance is important, but I also want to eat intuitively and tune into my body and eat the foods that I want to eat. What if these foods aren't the foods that are most blood sugar balancing? So what I really encourage my clients to do, um, and in terms of blood sugar healing, I believe that our bodies are very resilient and that we... Once we know the foods that feel good for us to balance our blood sugar, we know things like making sure that you're getting enough fiber from vegetables and protein from protein-rich sources and getting lots of healthy fats. We know that these things are going to help to balance our blood sugar. So it's more of an approach of adding these things in and really, again, tuning into how our body feels and slowly adding these things in and bringing in that education piece. What does it look like to balance your blood sugar? And not just what does it look like, but what does it feel like to balance your blood sugar and approaching that as we move forward with okay what are the foods that you what are the foods that you want to eat how can we add in those foods that are going to balance your blood sugar along the way so it's sort of a parallel journey instead of a perpendicular journey where you feel like you have to manage your blood sugar first and then go on the way of intuitive eating because what i see with a lot of clients I have, I have lots of women who will come to me and say, well, I'm just going to go on this diet and then I'm going to come to you and you can teach me how to eat intuitively for th- from there. And I'm like, well, that's not exactly you do you. <laughs> we'll talk in a few months. And what happens is then, you know, we're, we're right back to square one and we're going, okay, let's, we're going to do this process. We do this, we do this all at once. And for me, it wasn't until I started eating intuitively and really tuning into my body and my body's cues that my blood sugar actually balanced out and evened out. So I had months and months and months in this postpartum period with my daughter of, and I actually talked about this on on another podcast uh, probably last year. I was like meticulously tracking my blood sugar every single day, all day long, because I was so fearful of getting type 2 diabetes and having this crazy blood sugar imbalance for years and years and years after my daughter that eventually I ran out of supplies and was like, okay, you need to take a chill pill, Chris. You need to figure out how to do this in your real life instead of obsessing over it. Um, so I do think that it's something that can be done alongside the intuitive eating journey. And it really comes from that place of awareness. And yes, it does take our body some time for our blood sugar to, to balance and our hormones to get back to a place where they are responding well. But I think that comes along with us listening to and responding to our body. So it's really that combination of the the education as well as that, as that tuning in. Does that answer your question? It totally does. And I, like I said, I really want to dig into this because I feel like it just brings this 
softness to the whole experience. Like rather than just like, okay, here's your meal plan. You need to change this and this and this to fix your blood sugar. Cause that's the way I did it. It was slowly, Mm -hmm. it was almost this like shift from like, I was like strict paleo and learning and what like restricting, but it's like, and then now all of a sudden it's not all of a sudden, it's six years of, (laughs) of like growing and learning about what I'm eating and paying attention more, but it doesn't feel like that at all anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. so I like that. I like that kind of learning in parallel and I could totally go into this more with kids because they don't have, like, if you're teaching kids to eat intuitively, they don't have these blood sugar issues. Like it's, Mm -hmm. they don't have years and years and years of eating, crap like processed food and low fat and like mm-hmm. um even if you if even if you have given your kids more processed food and they haven't been totally balanced it takes a long time for your body to really have issues around mm-hmm. the blood sugar and stuff so i think it's just we don't have to worry that much with our children in terms of like if you give them ice cream and it has a little blood sugar spike it's not like sending them into diabetes, but I'll just refer them the, the podcast of yours, episode 45 about mm-hmm. the tips for intuitive eating for kids. I just thought that was so good. Okay. Um, so you can, if you want to hear more about the kids part, I will just refer them there. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. And like I said, I really want to dig a lot more into intuitive eating and kind of go back and examine some of this, but is there anything else you wanted to share? And can you tell us a little bit more about the programs you have? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anything else I have to share? I think just encouraging the woman listening that I talk about intuitive eating and I talk about finding freedom with food and it can feel very daunting. Um, and it, it is, it is a lot of unlearning and unpacking like we've been talking about and it can take time, but it really truly is the purpose of it is to add to your life. It's to add more to your life. It's to have flexibility and freedom in both eating and just in your life in general. So give yourself some grace. It takes time to unpack some of these things, some of these ideas we might have had for a long time. Know that there's no way to fail at intuitive eating. And there's, you know, and everything that you're doing is just taking one more positive step forward that you can pass on to to your families and the future generations. Oh, and my programs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I do, I love... I love sharing these concepts around both intuitive eating and food freedom. And then I also love sharing the practical side of things as well, how to actually make food happen as a mom um, for families as well. So I kind of have two main courses that um, I use to work with moms. So the first one is my kind of my signature course, and it's called Uncomplicated Eating. And it really takes you on that journey to food freedom. So it's rooted in those intuitive eating principles, like I shared. And it really does take the time to dig into unpacking those rules and restrictions around food, learning to trust your body, learning to tune into your body and listen to your body's cues and how to respond, working through any past emotional eating. And then I also go into simplifying nutrition. So that's where the uncomplicated comes from, uncomplicated those old ideas around food, simplifying nutrition, and then creating balance 
balance wellness routines and rituals for a healthy life. Because that's one of those things I think that we don't talk about is that living a healthy life also requires some habit building and some routines and making it a part of your life instead of allowing it to to take away from your life. Um, and it's pretty much my life's work in a self-paced course. And, um, and so I really love, I really love to share that. And my other course that's actually going to be re-released in the fall is called Healthy Mama Meal Prep. And that sort of talks about the practical side of things. So I had have an experience in working as a natural food chef for a few years in a large city, prepping food for other families. And I've learned how to incorporate it into my own life and into the lives of my clients in a way that is non-restrictive um, and very individualized. I talk about three different styles of prepping in a way that works for your family because there is no one size fits all. Just like there's no one size fits all with nutrition, there's absolutely strategies that we can bring into our lives lives to make eating these foods that make, um, that make us feel good kind of happen in our life. So those are, those are the big things that I have and that I, that I love to share. But thank you so much. This was, I, like I said, I'm so excited about this and excited to learn more and I'm going to check out your courses. So, um, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is so great. And I love talking about the family and kids side of things as well. So it's always, always fun to talk about that side. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot and good talking to you, everybody. Have a good week. Bye. Email us your questions at nourishedandnurturing at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at nourishedandnurturing. You can find more from me, Marissa, at confidentlybalanced.com. And you can find more from me, Michelle, on Instagram at Michelle Taggy. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you like what you heard and share it with a friend. We look forward to talking to you next week.